listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today we are joined by Mike, I'm going to butcher this, DeRossier. You're good, DeRossier. Awesome. Mike's coming to us from Northern California. He is the president and CEO of Growth Capital Group, has a tremendous amount of experience investing in real estate and is focusing primarily on apartment syndication these days. So Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. Can you kind of give us a little background, kind of where you came from, how you got interested in real estate and kind of how you got to where you're at today? Sure. So I've been in real estate pretty much all my life in one way or another, mostly single family homes. I've always had rentals, but I never really grew past that. I did get involved with some of the training. I came to the RE Mentor Network, you know, David Lindahl, mm-hmm. and got me just opened my eyes up to the multifamily uh, syndication and got into my first deal was a, just a fourplex that I bought into in Las Vegas. and started kind of growing up from there. I got invited to come into some properties, primarily to help raise money, but got me in as a GP. So I met a 60 unit property in College Station, Texas, an 88 unit in Galveston, Texas. And then more recently got into a 426 unit property in Kansas City. Okay. So been exciting. Yeah, sounds like it. Can we go back a little bit to how you got in? So you you'd mentioned you had single family rentals for for a while. Yeah. How, tell us a little bit about those single family rentals. How how did you get them? Can you break down some numbers on it? And what's your feedback on the single family rental model? Was it something you enjoyed doing? Or yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I did it without really knowing what I was doing. I mean, it just accidental uh, landlord. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, I bought a house and it was kind of a fixer and I lived in it and I fixed it up while I lived in it and then ended up buying another house before I sold that house and ended up just renting it out. And that's kind of how the first one happened. And and then, you know, it's just started kind of acquiring. I didn't really own a whole lot of single family at one time, but I was always owning some rentals, you know, one or two or three and fixing them up, selling them, kind of moving up. And made money on them all. Of course, I live in California. So, you know, you don't even have to be smart to make money in, in real estate in California. It's just it's just a natural. You hold on to it long enough, it goes up. So you mentioned you transitioned from the, the single family houses. And you, you said you got introduced to multifamily and syndication. And then you mentioned a fourplex. Was the fourplex you bought, you said it was in Las Vegas, right? Correct. That was a syndicated property? No, that was just a purchase. As I started with the training and learning about it, I mean, the whole thing was, a, I mean, it was an aha moment, just eye-opening going through that as I went to the, started with the training and starting to realize that you can buy these large apartment buildings, you know, with other people's money, right? And because you start, you see, look at these buildings and they're $5 million, $10 million, $20 million for these, you know, giant complexes. And it just doesn't seem possible for anybody, Right. But they teach you how to do that, and it's through the syndication. And once you really start learning the process of it and you start building your own confidence that it's not just a high in the sky, I mean, it's something that can really be obtained, and it's truly a good opportunity for the investors to come in and, you know, a great way for them to make money. And 
as a passive investor to, you know, so I'm in California, we're you know, close to Silicon Valley, so we get a lot of high-tech type people over here. And I use that example as kind of a perfect example, right? These are educated people that make a tremendous amount of money, right? They get salaries that can start at 250000 They can make 400000 just in a, as a salary job. It's crazy money. They work like dogs. They're always behind their computers. They have rarely have any real personal life, and they don't really know what to do with their money. Half the time it sits in a checking account, you know, and they don't even know what to do with it. They're just working and getting a paycheck and depositing their checks. And so this is a great opportunity for somebody like that to make money on their money and really excel their their lifelong goal, which is to retire and have a lot of assets. So it's also a very fun investment, right? Much more fun than many others. I mean, you can touch it, you can see it, you can drive over there and take a look at it if you want to, you know, no matter where it's even out of state. But anyway, point is, so just realizing all of that as I was going through it, that built my confidence to go after that type of getting investors for properties. And so I started talking about it and the investors kind of came, fortunately for me, the investors kind of came before my first property I ended up buying the fourplex in Las Vegas just simply, I bought that pretty much while I was just starting the training. And it's because I wanted to, that's just my personality. It's like, if I'm going to get into a job, it's like, I want to immerse myself and I want to know everything about that job before I really uh, feel that I can do a good job. And so I took on the fourplex, I self-managed it. You know, I knew what I was getting into dealing with the, you know, the toilets and the garbage disposals as they talk, (laughs) as they say, right? Now, how far are you away from Las Vegas? So you were managing it long distance. Long distance, that's right. Yeah, it's a plane flight. I mean, it's, yeah, you can't really drive there. It's probably a 12-hour drive. And so, but it's only an hour flight. So you can be on a plane at, you know, six, seven in the morning and you can be home at night. And, you know, the wife doesn't even know you left, right? right? So it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty, it, it worked pretty good. But that was also part of it. It's part of that managing it from afar, you know, I didn't even think that was really possible. That just seemed so, so difficult. But, you know, you get the right people on, the, you know, boots on the ground. I was self-managing, but, you know, you can find contractors, you can find refrigeration people, you can find carpet people, you can find remodeling people, all those kind of things. And so I dove into that as a fourplex, just starting small to kind of get a feel for what that's like, Right. Not that that was my goals. I knew I wanted to go to bigger and I want to get a property manager. I don't want to manage these things myself, but, but I wanted to get an idea of what that felt like and how many phone calls, you know, you really do get in the middle of the night, you know, saying my toilet's plugged or, you know, whatever, right? Which really hasn't been bad. I mean, I do see there is some maintenance that goes on and, you know, different things, you know, even one tenant complaining about another tenant kind of thing. I'm a little too accessible to those, but it's only a fourplex, so it's not a big deal. But what it did do is then got me invited to come into some of these other larger properties as GP, which I was very excited to do to get it, to understand that side of it on the larger level. So tell me about, and I can definitely appreciate wanting to get the experience managing it yourself. I've gotten that experience and learned the hard way. I don't want to manage anything myself. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. At one point, you know, when I started, I thought I was going to start a property management company and manage other people's stuff. I don't know what I was thinking at the time, because in <laughs> retrospect, I have zero interest in ever going back to managing anything. I was like, yeah, I was overly accessible to the tenants and it just 
ran me up the wall. But I'm I'm very glad I went through it, right? Because now, you know, as I get pulled into other deals, people lean on that experience and they see it as 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 a value add to the group. Having gone through the management to be able to oversee the property management, oversee the contractors on the rehabs and stuff like that. So like most painful growth opportunities in life, I'm glad I went through it, but I'm glad I'm not going through it anymore. So talk to me about the raising money. You'd mentioned being in California and near the real high earner in Silicon Valley. Did you have any previous exposure to that to that group? You know, I'm just curious how you networked with them, how you met them. You know, we talked to some people, they say, oh, well, I'm from the medical field, so I know a bunch of doctors or, oh, I work in IT, so I know a bunch of IT guys. Did you start in any particular field prior to this that would have given you unusual access? If not, how did you, how did you meet these high net worth individuals? So I have, uh, my day job has been in the advertising and marketing industry, right? So I've had a company about 30 years that focuses on the high tech and the biotech industry. And so we create some products that are, that are specific to those industries that are used for marketing promotions for those companies. So for many years, I've had a lot of contact with those type of companies not necessarily the engineers, mostly in the marketing side of things, but CEOs and VPs, C-level executives. I haven't really tapped into that a whole lot, but it for sure gives me the confidence to talk to them. And, and then, you know, they're, you know, I've got on to a lot of different meetups in different areas, both on the marketing side, as well as on the investing side and the syndication side. And I'm able to talk to those people pretty well. I mean, I connect with them really well. I understand where they come from. And, and so there's been some, some investments that have come through that, even through my circle of friends that uh, on that end, they're kind of more on the entrepreneurial side. They seem to all own businesses of some sort. And it's kind of the same thing there, right? Those, those type of businesses, there's a lot of people that make a lot of money in different, in different industries, right? It doesn't matter if they own a body shop or they own a string of carpet cleaners or retail stores, and they make a lot of money, but they don't necessarily know what to do with their money other than putting it back into their business, and which you know, obviously can be a very good thing, but it's nice to diversify your portfolio, get the money into something else, and this is an opportunity to do so. Absolutely. That kind of made me think of so years and years ago in a previous career, I worked in the financial service industry and we basically, we just sold insurance. I kind of, one of our like sales pitches or taglines was because we, we like to work with higher net worth individuals. You know, they buy more insurance, they invest more and you get paid a percentage about how much they invest in that, in that industry. And we used to say, you know, a lot of us are, very good at the offense, but not very good at the defense. And, you know, and I, I always think about myself that way. You know, a lot of us and me and my peer group are good at going out and making a lot of money, but then kind of don't know what to do with it. You know, so you either end up spending it or investing it in some stock that you don't know anything about. You know, because it's not our day job to study stocks. You know, so I think I think you hit the nail on the head with this is a, a an awesome and opportunity to kind of fill that gap with something that's a little simpler to understand. When I go over the large multifamily deals with people, I've yet to like come across, you know, somebody 
that has the money to invest that I couldn't simply explain the deal to and then be able to wrap their head around it. You know, if I was trying to get them to invest in Tesla or something, they'd be like, well, okay, why? Like, what it, What makes you think, oh, I don't know. I heard somebody say it was a good stock. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, stocks are tough. I mean, I, and I've played stocks uh, for a long time. And no matter how smart you think you are on stocks, there's a lot of people that are way smarter than you are. And when you're thinking about buying, they're ready to sell and, you know, and so on. It can, it's easy to get trapped into that. Yeah. For me, it just seemed like an inordinate amount of homework you would have to do. You know, you, you hear about like Warren Buffett reading 500 pages a day and to really like value invest and invest in, in things based off of like legitimate reasons that you would invest in something like, like, Oh, this is a profitable company. They have a good price per earnings per share ratio. You know, I, th- I feel like they're poised for long-term growth for that type of like logical value investing. It involves a lot of homework and a lot of research, you know, anything else is kind of speculating or I got this great hot tip, you know, <laughs> there's nothing scientific about the way a lot of folks go into investing in the stock market. True. It's like a horse race. You know, you really don't know what the outcome's going to be. It's just a look. So tell us about these, uh, these larger deals you did. You sounds like you started in Texas and then moved up to Kansas city. Yeah. So I got in a couple of deals in Texas through, uh, I got invited into another partnership and, they invited me in. They can They also came through kind of the same originally through the same training institute that I did, and that relationship just worked really well. I mean, they were very giving as far as you know, teaching me the things that I didn't know and bringing me into the meetings and bringing me into the kind of the events that we're going through and the process of it. And I was able to raise some money there. And then just kind of through somebody else, actually another person that introduced me to them, introduced me to also the person in Kansas City or the group in Kansas City. And I was able to bring in some money to that as well. And that got me into that deal. And, you know, it's definitely all relationships. When you start getting into relationships with some of these different operators and they like you, you like them. And they, you know, everybody feels like they can bring something to the table. You know, it's a group effort. As we know, these large properties, you really can't take them down by yourself. And the more people that are involved in it, you know, sometimes the money can be less, but, you know, you're so much better to take a small piece of something big than, you know, a big piece of something small. And it's a lot less work, right? I mean, you know, you take on a, a big property like that, 426, but you have, you know, you're surrounded by smart people, right? There's right. everybody. I mean, the property management is, you know, the top, property manager in the area or in that state, you know, you've got the best accounting firms and you have the best lawyers and you have the best, you know, the FCC attorneys. And so you're learning all this and you're just, and then of course the partners that are doing it and everybody is just so smart and they're able to bring so much to the table. The amount of education that you get through it and being around those people is priceless. I agree with you a hundred percent and definitely feel, you know, every step of what you're, you're describing there. And I feel like the learning curve and then also, you know, the resume building. So between the two of them, I would be happy to be involved in any deal at 5% of the GP, you know, let me go get your coffee type of thing. (laughs) And I always, I tell them when we have calls, 
twice a week with some of my partnerships and I, I'm very open with, Hey, you guys are way smarter than me. And, you know, I'm just excited to have a seat at the table every time we get on a call together. Like, what can I do to go add value so that I keep getting invited back? So I definitely, definitely understand that it's a long game and we're not trying to get rich on the first or the second deal. We're trying to build a long fulfilling business. So it sounds like to me that the value that you typically bring to these groups is is from primarily a capital raising perspective. You'd mentioned your you know your access to the IT groups from your day job from your marketing business, but you said you haven't fully tapped into that. So I'm just curious what are what are some of the ways that you have been raising capital? Do you utilize any of your marketing and advertising experience to get out there in front of more people? Um, I think it's primarily, you know, just through email marketing and phone calling and, you know, being able to connect sometimes, you know, just on zoom or, or on uh, it's a zoom world these days. So that's been primarily the, uh, the, you know, the way of contact. Awesome. So are these uh, 506 C's or 506 B's that you're raising? We've done both. It just depends, you know, what we do is we look at the property and, you know, the amount of raise and then, you know, take a, a tally of the people that are involved with it and decide there which way to go. Awesome. So would you say you've had more success with one type versus the other? Mm, no, it's, it's been both probably 50, 50 really. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm curious cause we're finishing up a B and, I anticipate the next one being a C, but you know, with a B, you're typically reaching out to the folks you've had a pre-existing relationship with, and and you know, you've been building your reputation with them for likely for years, versus a C where you're you're advertising and just trying to pull in strangers and build that value, build that rapport, and build that trust with them in a matter of maybe an hour, and then convincing them to invest. I was just wondering if there was any any notable kind of emotions that differentiated those two exercises? Yeah. I mean, you know, again, it just, you have to look at the individual property and the investment and how many investors you want in on the deal. But, you know, in syndication world, it's not really all about one deal. I mean, right. I mean, immediately, you know, I'm closing on one deal, right. You know, right now it should be closing probably next week, but we're already in contract. We're signing the PSA today on another, on another deal. So when you raise it under one and they don't qualify as an investor for that qualification, you know, you just put them on to the next one. And so it's really about accumulating as many investors as you can that, that will qualify in both. And then the right investment will come up for them. Awesome. So you say we are about to sign a contract on another one. And I'm just curious, what do you mean by we and kind of like, what is the acquisition kind of maybe your acquisition partner or the acquisition branch of your business? What is being done by whoever is finding these deals to find the deals? Right. Well, the one, the one that we're signing on this week is I was brought in actually as a GP onto this. It's 88 units down in Galveston, Texas, but I'm also, I also came in to sign on the loan and help with sponsorship. So that's gotten me kind of the next, you know, level of involvement with this group. And 
it's the same group that I'm partners on in on College Station property for 60 units in College Station. The one that we're just signed, we're signing the PSA on today, that is 60 units in Fort Worth, Texas. And this is another partner of mine that we have gone in. Actually, it's two uh, groups, my wife and I and another couple. And we've been pursuing properties ourselves and placing LOIs. And, and so we just got one that's accepted and got into best and final and been accepted. So now we're, we're signing the PSA. And we actually brought in our other partners that I'm it's confusing, but yeah, the other part, yeah, I, the I other partners, following. they brought you in and now you're bringing them in. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So how are you finding deals? Are you, are you broker shopping or are you doing some type of off market activity? Both. So on this deal, uh, my, the other couple of partners of mine primarily have taken on the broker calls. And so she, you know, she's on the phone all day long, pretty much calling brokers. And we've been focusing on the Texas market. So with that, uh, you know, she'll find the deals, get the property packages, you know, sent over. I'll help with the underwriting and her husband will do some of the underwriting, right? And, and then we place an LOI. And that's kind of how that has worked. So this one, we're kind of going in as partners on, on that, but we're bringing in a third which is, uh, again, this another uh, team that has a lot of experience in Texas, that property managers and, you know, the same team that we're using in these other properties because they're also invested. My partners are also invested with the same team as well. Awesome. I, I don't think you can go wrong with Texas. I love the Texas market. Yeah, Texas has been good. So what would you do differently if you had to start, kind of start over again? Uh, start over again, meaning like the beginning of uh, syndication or the beginning of my real estate investing? You can answer it either way or both ways. Well, if, if I knew now what I knew, you know, back when I first bought my first house or condominium, I would absolutely be going larger. I would absolutely be going after the syndication and learning that business. And yeah, because you can, you can scale up fast. You know, it's all about education too. It's not really a get rich quick scheme, right? As we all know, I mean, really anybody, anybody's gone through this, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It takes a lot of learning, a lot of education, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of relationships that you have to, you know, get into, which some pan out financially, some don't. I always say, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know how much hard work this was going to be or else I would never have done it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So true. But, you know, if you start out young, I mean, man, you've got a lot of time to get it right and, uh, you know, meet some people. And like I said, just to get started, if you've never invested into anything or been in part of anything like that, I mean, all it takes is for you to be invited to another group that's doing it. And in order to do that, you know, you're not going to be invited because just because you're a nice guy, you're going to get invited because you're you're knowledgeable, you're willing to put in some work, you can maybe you've learned how to underwrite, you have some underwriting skills, maybe you have a knack for finding properties, maybe you're able to get some broker relationships, maybe your boots on the ground, right? I mean, I'm in California, so I don't have that, that aspect, but a lot of people like yourself, you know, that are that live in areas that are considered, you know, path of progress or good uh, mar- uh, investing areas. It's important to have boots on the ground. For sure, it's a 
That's an advantage. And so if you mix that with some other skill that you have in multifamily, like I said, whether that's maybe underwriting or broker relationships or investor relations, that that's a great combination to get you invited into a deal. Awesome. Absolutely. So next, I want to hop into our radio round, which I admittedly did not give you a heads up about these questions. So I normally... I don't have to sing, do I? No, 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 no. I normally give my guests a a heads up on the question just in case they want to like research something on the fly. But I was a little off of my game when when we hopped on the call. So I forgot to give you. So if you have to think for a minute, we won't hold it against you. No worries. Um, the first question is generally pretty easy. So what's your favorite book? My favorite book? Um, you know, it's probably uh, the one that I'm starting on, which is called Big Shifts Ahead. I say it's my favorite because, uh, yeah, I've got it right here. So it's Big Shifts Ahead. Okay. Uh, but I say that because I'm just, now I'm starting on it. And yeah. so that's that's my a favorite is what I'm. A lot of people's about. favorite book is the one they're reading right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I can generally tell within the first few pages if it's going to be a good one. So the next question is, what's your favorite quote? And this is the one I like to give people a heads up on because the folks I haven't given a heads up usually stall out here. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot, but I mean, you know, just coming from the you know investor side of things, you know, it would be to you know under promise and over perform now it's kind of been overused in this industry of course uh, used by a lot but i do believe in it awesome and what's your favorite thing to do outside of work outside of work i love outdoor activities been in motorcycles my whole life dirt bikes you know as a kid and mostly street bikes now so i ride with a group of friends that we've done practically cross country and you know on dirt bikes we've gone down the baja all the way down to Cabo San Lucas and back. We've had some pretty good excursions over the years. I like boating. I'm a private pilot, so I haven't flown recently in the last really three years, but I enjoy that. And yeah, just hiking and biking. Awesome. Well, squeezing every inch out of life, huh? Try to, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And what better place to do it than beautiful Northern California? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this last summer I went on an excursion with my motorcycle guys, right, which are really more adventure guys. We just love adventurous kind of things. But we did a one-week trip in Alaska on jet skis. Awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Created about 500 miles. We, we uh, went on jet skis from town to town and just went through some incredible passages. And um, as you probably see in the uh the photo back there is in front of one of the glaciers on a, on a jet ski. Awesome. So how can our listeners get in touch with you, learn more about you, find out more about your, your projects or get in touch? Absolutely. Um, They can email Mike at growcaptoday.com. Mike at growcaptoday.com. That's probably the best way to look me up or look me up on LinkedIn or, you know, any of the other social media. I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. I really appreciated that. And, you know, we all learned something new and look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Hey, Sterling. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. 
You can also visit us at crestworthcapital.com or rentrollradio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestwordcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.